Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Horsham Church of Christ. For more information, please visit our website at www.horsham.org.au. Uh, can you also keep the applause going? Can we welcome Matthew Bolte as he comes up today? I'm just going to hijack you a little bit, Matthew. This is yep. slightly unplanned, but... It's all right. I can cope with that. I thought you could. After I've uh, seen you operate for the last couple of days, I thought he'll be okay with it. So why are you in town? We've been invited here by the uh, Unity Prayer Group to help stir and raise the level of prayer uh, in Horsham. And it's just been really thrilling to understand what's going on and, and what your history is and what your future might be. Yeah. Yeah. What was so we had a session, two sessions Friday night and then yep. all day yesterday. What yep. would have been the highlight for you out of the last day and a half? The highlight for Kathy and I has been to hear the history of what God has been doing in this place that many of you might not even be aware of, but uh, it just kind of with a whole, there was about 60 people there and people were sharing little bits and pieces from all around, and all of a sudden everybody goes, oh my, um, God's doing stuff Um, and it looks like we have uh, a great future together. So we're really excited. We're excited for what what the Wimmera carries um, and how that's going to impact the rest of Victoria and the nation. We're very excited about that. Yeah, and we are too. It's exciting to be a part of it and I'm sure over the uh, coming weeks we'll share more of some of what we learned through there and that will start to filter on for other ways that we can expand and grow the prayer ministry. Again, not only as Horsham Church of Christ but as the church in Horsham because there was a great sense of unity here over the last couple of days. So thank you so much to you and to Cathy uh, for being um, here this weekend and I just want to pray for you and bless you as you bring the word. Lord, thank you for Matthew and his heart for you. Uh, Thank you for the word that you've laid on his heart and I just pray that you'd continue to speak to him and through him as he opens up your word uh, and sheds some light on what you might want to say to us as a community today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, brother. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, My name's Matthew Balti, as Jared has already introduced, and this is my uh, wife and uh, partner in ministry, uh, Kathy, over here, and it's just our delight to come and be with you this morning. We live in a small little country town called Boona in southeast Queensland, up there in between Ipswich and Warwick, and the temperature is a little bit different. We've been in ministry for uh, over 30 years now, uh, pastoring churches, planting churches, and for the last eight years, we've been travelling around the nation with the Australian Prayer Network, helping stir and raise the level of prayer around the nation. And it's just been a great thrill and a privilege and an honour to do that. And uh, we're just so thankful that we could come and be with you here in Horsham. And some of your history that that uh, is just blows me away. I didn't realise that you had a Moravian mission up here. Uh, just go Google Moravians and see what that means uh, for you. Uh, and uh, it's extremely exciting that you raised a, a light horse a regiment here. And uh, we spoke a lot about uh, spiritual light horsemen and, uh, and God uh, putting together uh, men and women of prayer and men and women of passion and leadership uh, so that the gospel might uh, spread right across the whole of the Wimmera and throughout Victoria. So that was uh, very exciting for us. If you've got your Bibles there, please, would you open up to Ephesians chapter 1? 
I want to read a, a lengthy passage to you because quite frankly you might not remember what I say uh, after today but if God's word is read and listened to it will stay there and so because uh, I know there's been people praying before this service so let's hear what God has to say for us I'm going to use the new living translation it's extremely helpful in this letter of Ephesians because the sentences are very long uh, and some of the words are rather large uh, and so uh, this is Ephesians uh, chapter 1 starting at verse 3 and reading all the way through to verse 14 in the new living translation follow with me if you've got your phone or your bible there all praise to God the father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. Hallelujah. He has showered us with kindness on us, along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious plan regarding Christ, which, which is to fulfill his own good plan. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Let it be so. Let it be so. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for he chose us in advance and he makes everything work out according to his plan. God's purpose was that we Jews who are first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. And now, you Gentiles, that's us, who have heard the truth, the good news that God saves you, when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, which he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he purchased us to be his own people. He did this so that we would praise and glorify him. Anyone want to say amen to that? What an amazing passage of scripture. And there, there are four really powerful truths in here, and I'm only going to focus on one, so it's a one-point sermon. But there are four that I can't help mention uh, about what comes out of this scripture. Here are the four, and I'm just going to focus on one. The cross was always God's plan. Hear that? Always God's plan. Not, he, didn't, he wasn't surprised by our sin and go, oh, what am I going to do? The cross was always the plan before the foundation of the earth. Isn't that great? 
And my friends, the blood of Jesus was always the price to be paid. Always the price. And that's why it's so good that we share around the table and and we remember the blood of Jesus and what it's done in purchasing our freedom and forgiving our sin. What a great truth that is. The third great truth that comes out of here is that it was always God's plan to adopt you into his family. It was always your destiny. And that's the one I'm going to focus on in a moment. And the final one that comes out of here was that the Holy Spirit is the inner witness that the cross was always God's plan, that the blood was always the price, and that you were adopted into the family. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. What an amazing, amazing passage of Scripture. And it only gets better from here as you read through uh, the rest of Ephesians. So let's go and begin to look at this amazing understanding that it was always your destiny to be part of God's family. That was his plan. And I love that the focus of this church is on families. I love you've got stuff happening on Father's Day and you've got the kids going out and you've got all these plans to help people focusing on family that's so important because that's your heavenly father's focus by the way on family so let's have a look at this that your destiny was always to be adopted into God's family in Ephesians 1 and verse 5 I've already read this to you but let me read it again God decided in advance to adopt us Now that word adopt there is an unusual Greek word. Adoption is used many other times in the New Testament and it means exactly what we think it means. Oh, you weren't born into this family and you've lost your parents, but someone else has said you're mine now and you're part of my family. That's adoption. But this word here means something even bigger and grander than that. It means being given the position of the eldest son. And who is God's eldest and only son? Look at that. God decided to make us the eldest in his family in Jesus. Look at that. So from here on, when we, when we read all these things about you know, sitting in the heavenly places and the inheritance and stuff, you know why that is? Because we are in the eldest son, and that's our position now. That's where we've been adopted into. That's just mind-blowing, friends, that, that we sit in that place as the eldest in the family. And I apologize for using the word son, but, but in the Middle Eastern culture 2,000 years ago, it was the eldest son who got the lot. Is that right? So that's your destiny, to get the lot. It's yours because you're in Christ. Isn't that amazing? Adopted into that family. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family. Now that word family there is another great Greek word, oikos. That's the household of God, the sitting around the table together of God, his family, his brothers and sisters and his children all together around the meal table. Where did we meet today, my friends? Around which meal table? The table of the Lord. That's, uh, that's who we are. Oh, that's exciting and amazing. And halfway through Verse 5, it says, this is what he, that is God the Father, wanted to do. He wanted 
and longed to adopt you into his family, into that place of the firstborn, to receive all that Jesus receives when we're in Christ. He wanted to do that and it gave him great pleasure. Look at that. Your heavenly father is pleased that you're part of his family. Now, I don't know about your family, whether you've got some kind of, uh, you know, people who, you know, you use that expression, well, you know, you just can't choose your family. (laughs) God chose you. Even before you were born. He didn't wait to see what you would turn out like and says, "Eh, no, not that one. Oh, you know, I'll have that one. And, and I can remember as a young boy, and I went to a, a small uh, country school in central New South Wales, um, and when they were picking the footy team, now I'm, I apologise because it wasn't whatever you play down here. I'm not even game to say the name. Um, there's nothing worse than when they're picking the team, and uh, there were 13 in a rugby league team, and if there were 14 boys in your class, and that's about all there was... Nothing worse than being the one who wasn't picked. That's just not true in the scriptures here. He picked you even before he saw whether you could play footy or not. Before you were born, he picked you. Before you were born, he had a plan. It was called the cross. Before you were born, he paid the price. It's called the blood. That's what being part of the family is. That's amazing, don't you think? absolutely incredible Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 19 look at this truth so now you Gentiles that's us are no longer strangers and foreigners you are citizens along with all God's holy people you are members of his family oh thank you Lord or what about Ephesians 3 and verse 6 And this is God's plan. Notice these words about plan and God wanted to do it and he always organized to do it. This is not some accident or something random. God always had this plan. And this is God's plan, Ephesians 3 verse 6. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the richest inheritance by God's children. Both are part of the same body and enjoy the promises and blessings because they belong to Christ. Two groups brought together, both now the eldest son receiving the full inheritance. Stunning. And if this is news that you've never understood before, then maybe today is the day to think, well, Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for what you've done for me. I thank you that I saw standing here people talking about your body and your blood. And and if that's what it means to be part of your family, I'm in. So you can just say that right now, wherever you are, on screen or here. This was always God's family. Always God's plan to be part of his family. So now you have a new name. You're his own people. Now you have a new inheritance. Blessings in the spiritual realms. I've got no idea even what that means. But it sounds pretty awesome, don't you reckon? 
I, I think that's better than the kind of, you know, socks and jocks you get for Father's Day. <laughs> Blessings in the heavenly realms. Why, why is that so? Because we're now seated, we're in Christ. We're, we're, we, we're, we're in that adopted place as the firstborn. You now have a new existence, free and forgiven. That's because of the blood. That's Ephesians 1 verse 7. And you have a new authority. It's interesting, most of these topics, these phrases, you've already spoken about all this this morning already. You have a new authority because in Ephesians 1 and verse 10, God says, this is his plan to put everything under Christ's authority and you are in Christ, so you're under his authority now, a new authority. Now that's important to understand because that's your protection. You're under that authority and amazingly, you're given permission to use that authority. Now I do need to remind you that these are amazing truths that many of you have heard before a hundred times. But here's the key question. If, if this is the truth about how, who we are, then why aren't we blabbing it all over Horsham? This is where we see what goes on in the Scriptures here, because Paul is explaining this to the Ephesians. And then he begins to pray these amazing truths into the hearts of the believers you see you've heard this with your mind and you understanding that and we talked about a little bit of greek and all that kind of stuff and go yeah 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 i got that well how does it move from here to here because once it's here you're not going to be able to close your mouth you're going to be telling everybody about it and here's how it happens. Look, just after Paul's explained these four amazing truths that I've spelled out for you, then he begins to pray. Look, Ephesians chapter 1, starting at verse 16. Look at this prayer. And can I say, this is the kind of prayer that church leaders should be praying over the people in the church. You might like to write that down, church leaders. This is how you can pray, because this kind of prayer moves the truth of the gospel from here to here, and that's where we need it to be. Is that right? E.M. Bounds uses the kind of language like this. He's a great author on prayer. He says that it's prayer that causes the gospel, the truth of the gospel, the arrow of the gospel to fly to the hearts of people. Listen to this prayer and how Paul prays. Ephesians 1 verse 16. I pray for you constantly, underline that, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice the context now. He's talking about the family because he's, he's talking about the father of the family. He's talking about all of us, those who belong to God's house. Asking the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. In some of the other translations, it talks about a spirit of wisdom and a spirit of revelation. Well, what on earth does that mean? 
Well, a spirit of revelation is just that kind of thing when it goes from here to here. You've experienced that before. You might be reading the scriptures. It might be a scripture you've read a hundred times before. But all of a sudden, the words jump off the page and it comes alive to you. Have you experienced that? And you go, ah, that's what that means. Oh, that's an aha moment. Well, friends, that's all that's doing is traveling from here to here. It's making that 18-inch that journey which is often a difficult one. And you go, oh, that's called revelation, friends. And the spirit of wisdom that comes with that is to know how to put into practice that which you've just gone, ah, about. That's what Paul is praying for these believers. What an awesome thing. If the whole of Horsham Church of Christ and uh, Spirit Song, who's here visiting with you as well, if that fell upon you this morning, that would turn Horsham the right way up. You see that? This is, this, is how, this is how the truth of the gospel moves from here to here. It's prayer that does that. And here's a leader praying that into these people in Ephesus. Now, does it work? Oh, yes. Because Ephesus, if you, wanna, if you understand your church history, it was from Ephesus that the six other churches in the book of Revelation, you know, the seven churches, well, Ephesus was the first one. They all got planted from that church. Because for two years the gospel was preached in Ephesus and the whole of Asia was filled with the gospel. So these guys got it. You couldn't close their mouth because they were blabbering about the love of God the Father to everybody. And in a world dominated by a cruel Roman Empire, that was seriously good news, my friends. Look how he prays. Then verse 18, it gets even more specific now. I pray that your hearts, look, look where he's praying. This is a heart attack prayer. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he's given to those he's called. Who has he called? Every single one of you in here because he's whispered your name and you've said, yes, Lord. Verse 19, you're getting the hang of this? Look, I also pray. We read over the top of all this stuff because we just like the theology and the great doctrine. But friends, you, you, can't, you, you can't just have great doctrine, as good as great doctrine is. It's got to be alive and active in your heart. And this is what the Apostle Paul is doing for a whole church, the whole church in Ephesus. He's praying these truths into their heart. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's great power for us who believe. Whoa. What an amazing prayer. You see how important praying in the word of God is? Now I know you're a church grounded and based on the word of God. And I know also that you're a church who's wanting to grow in prayer. So imagine what is going to happen when the believers of this church have that revelation of who you are in Christ adopted members of the family of God with a new name and a new inheritance and a new existence and a new authority can I remind you where you've come from have a look at Ephesians chapter 2 this is important let me remind you 
Ephesians 2, beginning at verse 1. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, and you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. That's describing who we were. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subjected to God's anger, just like everyone else. Oh my, let that sink in for a few moments. That's who we were. But who are we now? Because of the cross, because of the blood, who are we now? Because of God's plan, who are we now? We're his sons and daughters. We're members of his family. We're no longer following under the authority of the prince of the power of the air, the devil. That no longer has a hold on us. Why? Because we've been set free and forgiven by the precious blood of Jesus. And now we have a new place and a new position. We are seated with Christ, Ephesians 2 and verse 6 tells us. And also in Ephesians 2 and verse 13, it says, we are near to God. Well, now you might understand what that means, because if you are now seated with Christ, and where is Christ seated now, right now, by the way? At the right hand of God the Father. So when it says, you know, you've come near to God, well, hello, if Christ is standing at the right hand of the Father and you're seated in him, you're in him, guess, guess how close the Father is? Seriously close. That's good news, my friends. That's wonderfully good news, that you're right there beside your dad. And that's why... When you get over into Romans, Paul says, you can cry out, Abba, Father, by the Spirit. Why? Because your dad's right beside you. Oh, this, is, this is amazing truth. But it just sets your heart on fire. So you've got this new place and this new position. And, and even more than that, you, you've got new family members. And you didn't choose them. Your father chose them. Listen to that. And this, this is challenging because there are some people in the church that are just a tad crusty. They kind of get right up your nose, you know? Well, maybe it doesn't work that way for you, but certainly does for me. But, but listen, we've got a new family. And your dad chose who they would be. And he put us in that family. In fact, in Ephesians 2, uh, 14 to 16, he talks about Jews and Gentiles being brought together. Now, I hope you understand that they really hated each other. And they wouldn't even go into each other's houses. Because the Jews didn't want Gentile germs. And the Gentiles certainly didn't want to hang out with all those weirdo religious people. 
and now God has made them into one. Oh man, what a fight. No, why? Because the precious blood of Jesus tore down the wall of hostility. Anyone say amen to that? So that means all cultures, all races, all nations, which Revelation 5 tells us are standing around the throne worshipping God, all of those are our family members who are in Christ and there shouldn't be any in-family fighting. Hello. Why? Because the wall of hostility has been torn down by what Jesus did on the cross. That is just stunning. So these new family members, God chose for us. And now we have a new job even. Would you like to know what your new job is? Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. After it says, you know, it's by grace you've been saved through faith. To do what? To do good works. That's your new job. Doing good works. That's your new role in the family. To do good works. Do you think these are amazing? These truths? Well, Paul obviously does as well, inspired by the Holy Spirit, because he has another go at praying them in. So it, this is not just a once-er. Do you know what a once-er is? Just doing it once. This is not a once-er. He has another go at praying this in. And can I encourage the leaders of this church and the leaders of the churches of, uh, of Horsham to persist in prayer in praying for the believers of this community. Because when the believers have what God wants for them done in them, it's going to impact the whole of the community amazingly so how do I know because this church in Ephesus they seriously impacted the whole region of Asia and churches were planted all over the place would you like to see that well then can you encourage your leaders to continue to pray for you it's not an easy task look how Paul prays now in Ephesians chapter 3 starting at verse 14 Notice the focus again. Paul says, I bow my knees and pray to the Father. Look at the language he's using. This is family language. This is a family prayer. I I bow my knees and pray to the Father from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. There's no mistake about what he's praying for here. Now look what he prays. I pray. That from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Where's that strength going? Into your mind or into here, into your heart? Inner strength through his spirit. Who would like some of that? Yes, please, Lord. Verse 17. Then, look at this, Christ will make his home in your hearts. Oh, yes. As you trust him, your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. Oh, yes, and yes for that. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is his love. May you experience, look at that word, not may you 
intellectually know. May you experience. This is talking about hearts on fire. This is the old John Wesley statement. My heart was strangely warmed. He was an intellectual, Wesley, by the way. He was a teacher at, uh, at a, an English university. I can't remember if it was Oxford or Cambridge. I think it was Oxford. A don, like, you know, a posh intellectual guy. He knew all the stuff, but it wasn't until his heart was strangely warmed. And would you like to know where that happened, by the way? Do you know your history? In a little place called Aldersgate. But it wasn't a Bible study. It was a prayer meeting. It was a prayer meeting. And do you know who was there praying? The Moravian Germans who were praying for the stuffy old English that the Holy Spirit might fall upon them. That's what was going on. That's why we're so excited that you've got a Moravian mission station out here because we know their passion for prayer. Oh, thank you, Lord. Where am I up to? That you may experience the love of Christ, though it's too great to understand fully. And then you will be made complete. Look at that. This is about growing and maturing in Christ with all the fullness of life and power. That's the focus of the prayer. So if you're living with a new family, here's five quick rules. I'm not going to unpack, unpack these at all, but I'll give you the scriptures so that you can go and look at it yourself. How are you going to live with this mob? That you didn't choose? That God your father chose for you, so he must have a reason? Mostly to rub the rough edges off us. Here's how we're supposed to uh, uh, behave in our family. Here's how to live with our new family members. Number one, we need to behave like God's children. We're called by God. That's Ephesians 4, 1 and 2. You need to stay connected with your family. There are no loners in the body of Christ. And you need to make every effort to do that. That's Ephesians 4, verse 3. Every effort to stay connected. I'll just be blunt with this one. Number three, we need to grow up. We need to grow up and learn how to speak to one another in love. That's Ephesians 4.15 and Ephesians 4.31 and 32. And we need to walk in our calling. What God has called us to do. The part that we are and the part that we play. The ligament or the sinew or the bone or the finger or the kneecap. or what, we, we need to walk in that calling so that each part does its work. That's Ephesians 4 and 16. And finally, how are we going to live with all these others? Well, here's the key cruncher for it. You, you need to put on Christ, quite frankly. <laughs> Ephesians 3, Ephesians 4, 23 and 24. So we've covered a lot of territory there. But it gets better. Because uh, as the leaders begin to pray for the members of the church and we grow up into Christ, we're clothed in Christ and, and we're fitted together with all the bits and parts of the body as it should be, we move from being a family to being a fighting force. Because this is where Ephesians is going to conclude. You see, Paul has spent all this time explaining how the family works, praying it in. And now, have a look how he finishes up in Ephesians 6, 
starting in verse 10. This is now on the front line. This is the family has become the fighting force. And now that might be uncomfortable language because we kind of like just hanging out and having everybody love on us. But friends, there is a dying lost world who are under the authority of the prince of the power of the air and God has a plan for them. Do you know what that is? The church. And as the church grows and matures and understands more than just in your mind these truths, but it's on fire in your heart, then, then you, don't, you don't mind what they do or say to you because you're just consumed with the love of the Father for the people of this community. A final word, Paul says in Ephesians 6 verse 10. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Well, he's just prayed all that in. Now he's saying, do it. Put on all God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. Now, he's now just saying, you used to belong to the devil, your old boss. Now, I want to teach you how to stand up against your old boss. And more than that, I want to teach you how to take back what the enemy's stolen. Now, there's this great old chorus, and I can't remember all of it. But, you know, I went to the enemy's camp and I took back what he stole from me. And he's under my feet, under my feet. You remember that song? Yeah. This is what's going on here. So this is the family now becoming a fighting force that's why it's so powerfully great historically that you the community of the Wimmera released your stockmen on their stock horses to become warriors on war horses in the in the Australian light horse that went and and I understand from what I heard yesterday that your fourth battalion was part of the charge at Beersheba how cool is that you see, that's your history in the natural. What if that were your history in the spiritual? Verse 12. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities in the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Notice where he puts the focus on the fight. It's not against flesh and blood. It's not the people out there. It's the enemy who you used to belong to, who was your boss but no longer is. Because you've got a new boss now, is that right? What's his name? Jesus. He's the captain of the hosts of heaven. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He's the one under whose authority you are. And now Paul is saying, okay, you've got these truths. It's moved from your head to your heart. Now there's a job for you. There's a battle that's on and you need to be battle ready. So get clothed in Christ. I've just explained the whole armor of God verses there in one little word. Be clothed in Christ. But it moves on from there. Because how are you going to fight against your old boss on the front line for the lost in Horsham? How are you going to do that? Well, Paul answers that question in Ephesians 6 and verse 18. I'm not sure if I got, have I got that up on the screen. No, let me go to it. Ephesians 6 verse 18. This is how you are going to fight. 
not with missiles or bombs or machine guns or any of those kind of worldly things, not with arguments. You're going to fight with prayer. Here it is, Ephesians 6 verse 18. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Look at that. So now he's, he's moved. These were babes in the Lord when he began with this teaching and he's prayed in all this truth into their hearts and now they're on the front line. Look at the focus now. It's changed from the leader praying for them and now they're saying, now it's your turn. You see that? It's moved from, oh, come on, leaders, pray for me, <laughs> to now, okay, it's our turn. Here we go. Pray on every occasion, in the spirit, at all times. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Look at that. So it started with a leader praying for all the believers in the church there at Ephesus. Now it ends with the exhortation for all the believers in that church to be praying for everybody everywhere, all the believers in the whole known world. And then he turns it even further in verse 19 and says, and pray for me too. So now there's the invitation from a leader for the people in the church to pray for them. I hope you're praying for your leaders because I've already buttonholed them about praying for you. So now let me turn it around and say, are you consistently praying for the leadership of this church and for the spiritual leaders of your community? You need to be because there's a battle on my friends. You're part of a family, the household that has an inheritance, that has a new name, that has a new authority. But God is now calling you up onto the front line as those truths have been prayed into your heart so that you can pray for all believers in the whole of the Wimmera and that you can pray for all the spiritual leaders that they will be given boldness to declare the mystery of the gospel. Wouldn't that be powerful? So this book of Ephesians is a serious call to prayer for the church. Because it's written as a letter. It starts with all these wonderful truths that get prayed into your heart. And there's a whole pile of stuff explaining how you're supposed to live together as family. And then it finishes. This is where it finishes. In all the believers praying for everybody. Praying for the saints. At all times, on all occasions and staying alert. That might mean... When you're woken up at 3 a.m. in the morning to get out of bed and say, Lord, I don't know who you want me to pray for, but I'm going to pray. Show me if I need to know, but otherwise I'm just going to pray. Oh, Lord, because friends, the church needs prayer. Did you know that? I know the lost needs prayer. We spoke about that uh, over the weekend, but the church needs prayer. Because if you haven't noticed, the church going backwards as a general rule in this nation. Fast. And we're to be praying for all believers everywhere. So why don't we start? Can you put the next slide up for me, thanks? What I've done there is taken Ephesians 3, that prayer that I read, Ephesians 3, 14 to 21, and I've just slightly changed the wording to talk about 
Horsham. I know Horsham, the word is not in the scriptures. But to turn it into a prayer that I want to give you opportunity now just to quietly pray for the believers here in this family and, and here in the Wimmera so that their hearts might be on fire for the Lord Jesus and a mighty army be raised up because the lost in the Wimmera are waiting. They are harassed and helpless. So won't you pray, my friends? And I'm going to leave it quiet for a while now. And you can use that prayer as a model to pray quietly where you're seated. Or you can just pray as the Spirit leads you. I don't mind. But Father, would you pour out upon us now gathered here and online a spirit of prayer that we might pray in accordance with your will and your word for the body of Christ here in the Wimmera. In Jesus' name, you pray now, please. Oh, thank you, Father, for these precious saints here in Horsham. Thank you for these saints here in this building and online this morning. Oh, Father, stir their hearts. Stir their hearts, Lord, with these truths that we heard, that Christ might dwell in their hearts, Lord, and that they might know the height and depth and length and breadth of your love so that Lord the gospel goes from here into Horsham and the Wimmera and right across this nation and to the very ends of the earth in Jesus name Amen